I want you to turn with me to the book of Habakkuk. Okay? If you don't know where it is, go to Malachi and Habakkuk up, and you'll find it. I, I want to speak a word to you today that's in, in some ways prophetic. And um, I have to admit, I, I struggle with talking about uh, the prophetic. I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm not a prophet. But God does use me prophetically. There's a difference. Okay? And um, in fact, I, I, I'm, I've really struggled with this because I don't normally do this. In fact, I don't think I've done it but one time in, in, a, in a number of years. But um, I'm gonna go ahead. I'll just go ahead and say this, and before we get into this, so you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, my, one of my mentors was Dr. Lester Summerall. Now, many of you probably have never heard of Dr. Summerall. He was a great man of God. He was literally a true apostle. There, there are modern day apostles, and he was. One of them. I had the privilege of traveling all over the world with him, and um, and receiving impartation. That's how you do it. You want to get close to somebody to if you want impartation. And um, God used him specifically in the eighties and the early nineties. Um, and he every year before the first of the year, God would begin to speak to him about things for the next year and the years to come. And he called it, I predict. And, and it was, I still have those and it's amazing how, how accurate they were and how clear they were. And so after he passed away, I had, I started having this strange working in me about November every year. And God started speaking things to me, just literally out of the clear blue about the future. Didn't seek for it, didn't want it, just, just, and, and it didn't come in one session. It would come over, really over weeks and, and I would write it down and, and hesitated to be honest with you to share it because again, I, I that's not necessarily my gift and, and yet I felt like I, I, I needed to. So I started sharing on New Year's Eve, uh, I called it I predict because that's really what it was and, over the years, you know, our staff has compiled from time to time the things that have come to pass, and it's just remarkable. It's just amazing. And again, I just want to tell you, it's not me. I, it's absolutely nothing in it of me. And um, so I, I, I did. I do that every year at my church. Earlier, when I actually when I was coming into the sanctuary. The Lord started dealing with me about sharing that with you tonight. Um, and so if you will allow me to do that, I believe it will be a blessing to you. It will help you understand the times to come and, and what, what the world is going to look like. Because the way the Lord gives me this is either two or three separate. separate. One is what's going to happen in the world. It's not going to be pretty. Okay. What's going to happen with Israel? And then what's going to happen in the church? And so, if you'll allow me tonight, I'm going to share that with you. And again, I, have, I don't share this. It's something that I normally just share in my church, New Year's Eve, that's it. But I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to share that tonight, so just so you'll know. 
Okay? So, you found Habakkuk. Okay? I want to just talk to you for just a little while today to help you understand and discern the times. Okay? Um, Because I don't know whether... Now, look, I'm 70 years old, so I've been around a while... Uh, I've seen things change. I've seen the world change. I've seen things change in the church. I've seen lots of change. Uh, and, and sometimes if you're not careful, you can get really shaken up or concerned about the way things are going. But the Lord really helped me with that out of the book of Habakkuk. Because Habakkuk, who was a prophet, was a minister who was frustrated about the times that he was living in and what was going on. He was totally frustrated with, with the times and with what was going on. And, and Habakkuk had a case of the whys and the whines. Not new wine, wine. Y'all know that word in California? You know the word wine in California? Okay. So he, he was struggling with what was going on in life. He was struggling with the way things were going. And so let's read the first four verses of chapter 1. It says, The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw, Lord, how long shall I cry? And you will not hear. Even cry out to you violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore, the law is powerless. Justice never comes forth. The wicked surround the righteous. There is perverse judgments that proceed. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Let me read you this out of the message. God, how long do I have to cry out for help before you listen? How many times do I have to yell, help, murder, police, before you come to the rescue? Why do you force me to look at evil, stare trouble in the face day after day, anarchy and violence break out, quarrels and fights all over the place, law and order fall to pieces, justice is a joke, the wicked have their righteousness, their right, the righteous hamstrung, and stand justice on its head. Wow, is that not a, a now word or what? Because that's what we see happening. I don't know whether you've complained about it, but I have. I've come, Lord, what is going on here? I mean, we're looking for, we're looking for glory. We're looking for righteousness. We're looking for the power of God. And all we see is hell breaking loose everywhere we look. Seems like if you look at it, that, that, that Christianity is going down the tubes, that Islam is on the rise and everything is turned upside down. Well, I want to tell you right now, the Lord dealt with this in Habakkuk. And I'm going to deal with you about it today, okay? Because, you know, I don't know whether um, uh, you, ever, you ever saw the old, old uh, uh, country show, Hee Haw. Woe is me, agony on me. If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. 
I mean, really, to be honest with you, I think a lot of times that's the way Christians have gotten. They think, wait a minute, this thing ain't going the way it's supposed to. Whoa, whoa, something's wrong here. Something's amiss here. Well, look, if you look at things from a natural standpoint, that's exactly what happens. But I want to tell you something. Out of that lament of Habakkuk exploded a litany of answers that are relevant for you and I today. Responsives that you and I can understand and perceive from real problems. And not only that, it gives us a path to the future. It gives me a path. Hey, even going back over these notes and praying last night and this morning over these messages, I got encouraged. Right in the midst of whatever that march was yesterday and... All the goofy stuff that's going on. Of course, I expect it in San Francisco. But you know what? We had one of those in Shreveport. Crazy. But here's what I want you to see. Because once Habakkuk opened his mouth and complained to the Lord, the rest of Habakkuk is the Lord straightening him out and putting him on the right path of what he ought to be believing, what he ought to be doing, how he ought to be acting, what he ought to be expecting. The first thing that we see is in verse 5. Habakkuk just got through complaining. Listen to what it says. The Lord said to him, I like, you know, my Bible on my iPad says, The Lord's reply. Okay. Listen to what the Lord said to Habakkuk. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. Let me tell you how powerful that statement is. The Lord said, I can't tell you what I'm going to do. It's going to be so amazing, so wonderful, so powerful. I cannot tell you because if I told you, it would push you over into unbelief. Literally, you would say, I can't believe it. It's kind of like Thomas. You know, Jesus was raised from the dead. And he said, I ain't believing it till I can stick my fingers in his hands. You know what Jesus did? Stick them in there, Thomas. But he said, I'm going to work a work that that even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. So I'm not going to tell you. You just need to know. Now listen, here's the thing. You just need to know that I am working. You need to know in the midst of all of this hubbub, all of the things that are going on in the world, all of the destruction, all the war, all the problems, all the issues, it does not phase God one bit. He is still working. He is still working the way He's always worked. This thing's going to come out just like He said. It's not going to be any different than what He said. So you don't have to get discouraged. You don't have to get down about it. All you have to do is just keep in your mind, in your heart, God is working. He is working. 
He's working in you individually. He's working in the world. He has not changed a bit. He has a plan. He has a promise. He has purpose. And it's not going to change. Over in 1 Corinthians, I'm going to just read you a few scriptures along this line. Really, I could stop right here and preach on God working the whole service. But I want you to see the whole picture here. Now listen to this. It says in verse 4 of second, of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, There are diversities of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but it's the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Let me Listen to me. God is working in places that you can't even imagine. He's working in people that you can't even imagine. There was a time if you saw Mark Thomas, you would have sworn there was no way God would ever work in him. That God would ever use him to pastor a great church. You would say impossible. But the whole time, God was working. God was working. You can see somebody one minute and you can or see a circumstance and think this is this out of control. You see somebody that's so anti-Christ, you say, God, kill them. And God, and listen, you would have said that about the Apostle Paul. You didn't get much worse than him. But God was working. Even in all of the destruction that he provided, killing Christians, putting him in prison, God was working. God was working. God was working. Listen, there was a time, do you know that back in the 70s during the charismatic re, uh, revival, and, and it was a, one of the most amazing times that the church has ever experienced, especially in America. Listen to this. There were people who were getting saved Filled with the Holy Ghost in the Catholic Church. And do you know that there were holier and thou Pentecostals who would not accept them because they had gotten, you're Catholic. You can't speak in tongues. You can't be saved. Oh, yeah? I tell you, I tell you, your pastor's been there in in Beirut. They'll have those they'll have those meetings at, at at Keith Hershey's at the Life Center there, and they'll start praying, and you'll look up, and there'll be fifteen or twenty women dressed in the regular Islam, all the covering and all the things. They're standing there just praying in the spirit, just praying in the spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. Listen, God's working in places and doing things. There was a man at that conference last year from Syria, and he didn't know Jesus, didn't know anything about Jesus, never heard of Jesus, and one day Jesus appeared to him. And said, this is where you need to go for the bread of life. You, you can't imagine what God's doing. You would say, drive over the bridge and say, oh, San Francisco's going to hell. Oh, my God. Hey, listen, it might be the center of the most powerful revival you've ever seen in your life. God is working. God is working, and He's working a work that you and I can't even imagine. I see it in the Spirit. Man, I see the Holy Spirit falling and the glory of God falling in ways that you and I can't even imagine. You think God's given up on this thing? 
You think another religion is going to rise up and overwhelm the name of Jesus? No. It's not going to happen. You remember the time that the, they took the, the, the Ark of the Covenant and they put it in next to the throne, uh, next to the, the great Dagon and the great God and the great statue. Next morning they come in there and the thing's flat on his face. They stand it back up, leave next morning flat on his face. Why? There is no other God before him. Listen, just so you know, I, I know this may be a secret to you and you may not ever, you might not ever, you might forget it. But let me just tell you something. It's a secret. God's working. God is working. And listen to me. He's working in you. Paul said, I am confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, a good work in you, a good work in you will complete it. Until, wait a minute. Until the day of Jesus Christ. Until. Some of you think, well, the Lord's left me. Well, the Lord's not working like he used to. Just quit that. Just quit that. Lift up your hand and say, thank you, Lord, you're working. Thank you, Lord, you're working. Thank you, Lord, you're working. The Bible says, listen, the Bible says in in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, that He is working in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. So this thing, hey, He's going with you to the end. This thing is not going to get worse. It's going to get better. You might have to deal with a little bit of difficulty in your flesh. But hey, that's not where we live anyway, is it? If you do, you're already in trouble. So first thing he told Habakkuk, Habakkuk, cut out the whining. Quit griping. Quit wondering. I'm working. And I am working in such a way that if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. I can't even tell you because you're so full of unbelief. So, just get ready. He's working. He's working. All right, so listen to what else he told him. Okay, Habakkuk chapter 2, beginning in verse 2. We're just going to pick it up here. I'm not going to read every verse, but listen to this. Then the Lord answered Habakkuk and said, Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but in the end it will speak, it will not lie, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Now listen to me. Listen to me today. That, that word vision goes on so many different levels. Okay? First of all, you have got to have a vision that the end of this thing is glorious. You know, I don't know whether you've ever read the back of the book or not, but we win. I don't know whether you know it or not, but that Savior that you serve, that you live by faith and you serve today is coming back in the clouds and He's going to catch us up together and we're going to forever be with the Lord. Have you forgotten that? 
See, that's what, what, that's what the Lord said. He said, Habakkuk, you write down what you see. You write down what you know. You write it down. You let everybody know. Don't ever forget it. Don't give up on it. But it goes further than that. What has the Lord spoken to you? I don't know about you, but the Lord has shown me things in my personal life, in the life of my church, in the life of my ministry I hadn't seen yet. Any of you had the Lord show you something you hadn't seen yet? Don't, don't let go. Don't let go. Don't give up on it. Don't hold up. Well, you know, the Lord showed me this. The Lord showed me that. Listen, it's not over. The Bible says in Psalm 26, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, it was like a dream. Oh my God, this is like a dream. I've had that happen in my ministry at our church where we were living in hell one day and the next day. It's like my, my business administrator said it this way. He said, you know, it's like we went from the outhouse to the penthouse overnight. I want to tell you, listen to me. I want to tell you that God, God has, is going to fulfill his promises. He's going to do what he said he was going to do. You don't have to give up. You don't have to give in. Write it down. Do you know this church has a vision? You're probably not going to find out about it on Sunday morning. If you come to those impartation meetings, you'll find out. This church has got vision. This isn't the end. I mean, wow, this is a nice little church. Nice and comfortable. It ain't going to always be that way. You know, you can build a church a lot of ways. But the best way to do it is to build one by the Spirit. Because then you can't take any credit for it. Well, we did this and we did this and we got these people and we got this crowd. Or you can say, Holy Ghost, it's up to you. This church has got vision. You, you've, got to, you've got to understand that. I, I, listen, the first thing I want to do is I want to get hooked up with somebody's vision. It wasn't a problem with me sowing seed into, into this church to see, to see it be built. It wasn't a problem at all because I saw the vision. When your pastor took me through the dirt and we walked through the dirt and he told me this is going to be here and this is going to be here and this, I could see it. Guess what? It happened. It happened. You, you do know that that hadn't even hardly been 10 years. You, somebody said, oh man, that was forever ago. Are you kidding me? So you, you gotta, you gotta write it down. I, I love what the, the message, uh, says. Listen to this. God answered, write this. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. The vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. It doesn't lie. It seems slow in coming right now. Wait for it. It's on the way. It will come right on time. Glory to God. It'll come and it'll come right on. Just write it down. Just write it. Look, you've got things that the Lord's shown you. Go back and rewrite it. Write it down. Just write it down. Say, Lord, I see it. I see it. I see it. Thank you. Thank you. 
I had I was counseled with a couple, and I, I'm not against this. Don't so don't please don't misunderstand it. But but I, I was counseled with a couple here recently, and he was talking about having a vision board, which is I, I, I that's not even a spiritual thing, but people are doing it, having a vision board. What are you looking forward to? What are you believing? And people are writing, putting their vision. And and um, he had all this stuff on his vision board, but the problem was his marriage was in the pits. I said, erase everything on there. I thought, you better start with your marriage, dude. Rewrite your vision. Just go write what you see God saying, what God is speaking. Get ready to see God do something. Because listen to me, it's coming. It's coming. It's crying out. It's crying out to come. It's crying out to come. All we've got to do is just be be right where God wants us to be. Whether that's your own personal something God's given you, a word, a prophecy, a dream. That's right. Yeah. Maybe it's just the word of God. Mary looked at that angel when that angel told her, You're gonna have a baby. Huh? <laughs> and it's gonna be of God. She just looked him right now, and this is a teenage girl. Be it unto me according to the word. If you can't have any other vision, go find out what the word of God says and start saying, be it unto me according to the word. You're struggling in some area of your life, be it unto me according to the word. Why? Because Proverbs 29, 18 says, without a vision, you'll perish. Christians are floundering around wondering what God's doing. Why? I hear it all the time. God's not doing it. I don't know why. Well, God's not doing what He used to do. You know what? You're going to perish. If you, don't, if you don't make up your mind to have some vision, some revelation of what God is doing. That word perish means you come unhinged. You come unrestrained. You start doing what you want to do. Because you don't have vision. You don't have some kind of purpose in your life. I, I love the message here. If people can't see what God's doing, they stumble all over themselves. That's why you come to church. To hear what God's doing. Y'all still here? You come to hear what God's doing. Why? Because it will give you purpose. You're not going to get it out on the street. You're not going to get it on TV. Listen, I don't care what anybody on TV tells you. Impartation has to be personal. It has to be personal. You can get inspiration, but you're not going to get impartation without being there. Y'all live streaming this? Next time you need to be at church. (laughs) Hey, no, thank God for live stream because sometimes people can't come. Thank God for it. But listen, you need to be in the house. Why? Because that's where vision is. And I'm not talking about vision of building a new building or something. I'm talking about vision of what God is doing, what God's saying, what the future holds. That's what we're looking at. That's what we're looking for. Y'all still with me? And then the Lord said something else to Habakkuk. 
in verse chapter 2, verse 4. He said, Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Well, there's got to be another way. No, there is no other way. Well, that faith message, that's just so old and God's doing something new. No, He's not. Well, it's the grace message today. Well, you're saved by grace through what? Just so you know. I, I don't know. I, listen, I don't, I'm not trying to be negative. But grace, is not, grace does not work by itself. Romans tell, tells us we access grace by faith. Some people just want to throw that word out there. And really, to be honest with you, they're throwing it out there because they don't want to believe God. Not everybody, but you understand what I'm saying. I know I'm from Louisiana, a little more plain spoken than you guys are out here. But But listen to me. What are you believing for? What are you expecting? When something comes up, what is your word? Some, you know, hey, listen, if you live out here, you got to live by faith because any moment now, you could, just, this whole place could be doing this. I don't know. Listen, I'll tell you what a faith man I am, okay? I was in one earthquake. I was in, I was in Mexico, okay? And <laughs> in Veracruz, Mexico. And we're in this pastor's house and, you know, you know, he had this little, you know, little small house. We're having a meal with the pastor and, and, uh, all of a sudden, well, you know the feeling, don't you? <laughs> I don't have to tell you. You know that feeling. And so we all ran outside. Well, I, I'd never experienced anything like that. I jumped up on the picnic table. Man of faith and power. I'm believing the picnic table is going to save me. What? I'm telling you, listen. Your faith has to rise up. Circumstances of life happen. But you've got to be a person of faith. You've got to keep your faith built up. You've got to keep that expectation uh, up. Because listen, God needs you to do that. Not just for you, but for other people. I preached a message this last year about attach your faith. What are you attaching your faith to? Do you ever even use your faith, attach it to something? I'm believing God right here. I'm expecting God here. I'm believing here. I know no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Amen. I like this church, man. Get up. No weapon's going to form against me is going to prosper. That's right. No evil's going to fall me. No plague's going to come nigh my dwelling. In Jesus' name. That's right. What is that? It's called faith. You you cannot have vision without faith. Impossible. Because faith is a substance of things hoped for. Well, you can't have something you're hoping for unless you've got something attached to it that's going to see it through. Don't get caught in the negative. Listen, 
I'm telling you, way, way too many people, they get caught in the negative. But, you know, Paul over in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13 says, We having the same spirit of faith believe and therefore we speak. Paul operated in a spirit of faith. Well, let me show you what a spirit of faith says. Okay, just back up a few verses, back up to verse 8 and listen to what Paul said. We're hard pressed on every side. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. But we're not, but, but, but we're not, uh, no, we're, we're, we're not crushed. Mm-mm. No, we're not crushed. We're perplexed. You ever been perplexed? You have, you just don't know that word. It means you can't figure out a way. You know, I don't know which way to go. Okay. But listen to what Paul said. Hey, well, yeah, I've been perplexed. That's not a bad confession. If you have, you have. But listen to what he said. But I'm not in despair. I've been persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. I've been struck down, but not destroyed. One translation says, I've been knocked down, but I'm not knocked out. I found out the only way you can lose is if you don't get back up. That's faith. Faith is not some abstract thing to keep you protected in your little cocoon. Well, I know so-and-so, they preach this and they say they don't ever have any problems. They're lying to you. Because I know those so-and-sos. I've been around them. They have the same problems you have. They just don't tell you about them. They have the same challenges you have. Why they don't want to tell you, I don't know. I don't know whether they make, they make it, they don't think that's faith or what. But listen, I know all of them. I've been around them. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you, telling you. They have the same challenges you have. But thank God for the spirit of faith. And sometimes we just need to grab hold of faith. One of the things that helped me so much one time, the Lord helped me with this, because, you know, we're, we're believing God for big things at our church and in our city, and we're, we're believing for God to do more than He's doing, and, and, and sometimes you don't see much. You know, and as a pastor, especially when you've been doing this for 40 years, you can, you, you can get discouraged. I have gotten discouraged before. I, I pulled up to my church one time number, many years ago now, and I had a guest speaker, and I was so discouraged, I said, I'm going home. I'm serious. I turned around and went home. Don't look at me so holy. I mean, I just was discouraged, and I had somebody else taking care of the service. I just left. I didn't know. But what I found out was that faith doesn't always have to see the end result to grab hold of something. You remember Elijah? He was praying uh, for rain. He sent his servant out there, nothing. Sent his servant out there, nothing. Sent his servant out there, nothing. Finally, the servant says, well, I see a little bitty cloud, but it's not any bigger than a man's hand. Elijah jumped up and said, that's it! Sometimes you, your faith will bring the fullness of something, but you're waiting for the fullness before you ever have any faith about you. Come on. 
God could be doing something in your midst and it's not the fullness of it. And so you say, well, that's not the real thing. If it was the real thing, this would be happening. And the whole time, you've got to grab hold of what's there, what God's doing. Let it work. Let God do something. That's called faith. It's a spirit of faith. It's how we're supposed to live our lives. Then, there's one more thing that the Lord dealt with Habakkuk about, and you've probably never heard this before. You're going to have to have some Shaganoth moments in your life. I didn't get one amen. Because you don't know what that is, do you? I didn't know what it was either. Chapter 3, verse 1. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shaganoth. On Shaganoth. You know what Shaganoth is? I didn't understand Shaganoth until I, until one of my best friends, spirit-filled Jewish man, explained it to me. Shaganoth, now listen to me, is a long, rambling poem or song about what God has done. I saw him under the anointing one night, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, start singing for one hour, Shaganoth, about what God had done. Not what he's going to do, what God had done. It, it is a, and I don't know the, I don't even know, I don't even know how to explain it because I'm not a, a musical person, but, but, but the, the word itself is, is, let me, let me just read it to you and I think you'll get it. Because, because the, the way the word, it, it says it is a dithram, dithram, I don't know how you even say that, a rambling poem. But literally, when you study it, it is a rambling poem of what God has done. Some of you have got to have some Gainoff experiences. You've got to go back and celebrate your victories. Celebrate what God has done in your life. Celebrate it. And I don't mean just say, well, thank you, Lord, for it. I mean sing it. I mean rejoice in it. And you say, well, that happened so long ago. The Lord, listen, do you understand that the Lord told the children of Israel, don't ever forget me delivering you from Egypt? Every time you turn around, I want you singing about it. I want you rejoicing about it. My wife and I were separated for 14 months. God supernaturally got us back together, saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. I know my church gets sick and tired of me telling that testimony. But I don't care. I tell it all the time. There are times when God has delivered our church from financially. God has worked in my life personally. And I don't mind talking about it. And I just get up and I'll just start rambling. That's what it means. It's, it literally means to ramble on and on and on and on about what God has done. You've got to bring back those 
those moments in your life over and over again. They are important. They are personal. Listen, God said anytime you go somewhere, you build, build a big pile of rocks as a memorial. You ought to have piles of rocks everywhere. I'm preaching a message. It's called Stones of Help, where God has helped you. Pile them up. And just tell people, look what the Lord has done. Becky and I were up in Napa years ago uh, on vacation. We'd never been up there, so we went up there for a few days. And, and we were, went to this restaurant to eat, and, and it was full. And I said, well, you can wait, and you can sit here. Well, we didn't realize that we were sitting at the bar. But we sat there. You know, we were just waiting, and, and uh, we're sitting there. And there's this lady sitting next to us. And, um, uh, you know, being from the South, you know, we talked to everybody, you know. And, and um, so I, we just spoke to her, and she spoke to us, and she said, "Oh, y'all from the south? Yeah, yeah, we're here." And well, what are y'all here? Well, we're celebrating our anniversary. Oh, that's wonderful. How long have you been married? And I, I forgot how many years back then—thirty-eight, you know, something like that. Forty, maybe. I don't remember. It'll be fifty years this year. But, um, Amen. But we just started telling her how God got us back together. We'd been separated 14 months. I was living in Detroit, Michigan. Becky was living in Washington, D.C. area. And she called me one day and said, well, I got the divorce papers. All you got to do is sign them. I said, well, fine. Won't you bring them to me? We, we never did fuss. We just, I was just a scoundrel. But anyway, <laughs> so... She brought the divorce paper. Now, back in those days, you could go out to the gate, you know. And So I'm at the gate waiting for her. And when she walked out of the tunnel, I fell in love with her. And she fell in love with me. And we'd been married for five years before. Fell in love with her. She fell in love with me. And God supernaturally got us back together. And within six months, we were both standing at an altar being filled with the Holy Ghost. I... Shagging off that all the time. That 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 is that is a that is a testimony of the Lord. You know, every marriage goes through rough spots. We've gone through rough spots, but we always shagging off. We always go back to that. We always talk about how God put us together, what God's done in our lives, and and we just we just go right through. We just we just go right through. Another part of this, and this is part of the same thing with the Shaganoff, but I want you to listen to this. Another part of that is you've got to quit praying the problem. Okay? Look, that's what, the Lord, that's what Habakkuk was doing. He was praying the problem. In Habakkuk 2.20 it says, The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before Him. In other words, shut up. Just stop it. Stop it. Lord, now you know this is happening, Lord. Well, sure he knows. Why, why remind him of that? Why don't you remind him of the glory of God? Declare the answer. Call those things that be not as though they were. You start doing like that, and all of a sudden it's amazing how things will change. But you've got to make up your mind you're going to do it. So, God dealt with Habakkuk. Now, now this, is, this is really cool. Habakkuk changed his tune. 
Now, now you, you and I know what that means, but, but that's not what he did. He literally changed his song. Habakkuk 3.17, listen to this. And I love my, my, again, my Bible. The heading says, a hymn of faith. That's not in the Bible, but I like it anyway. A hymn of faith. You've heard this before. Verse 17, though the fig tree shall not blossom, no fruit on the vine, the labor of the olive fail, the fields yield no food, the flock may be cut off from the fold, there's no herd in the stall. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make me my feet like deer's feet. He will make me to walk on high places. He said, I like it because he then, the last word in this book is, Write that down. He told a musician, write that down. Write that down. He changed his whole tune. He changed his whole song. Nothing had changed on the outside. Fig tree still wasn't producing. The olive press wasn't producing any oil. The lambs weren't producing. Nothing was happening. Couldn't get a fig off the tree. Nothing was happening. But he changed. He changed. So listen to me today. What are you going through today? You're a child of God. You are born of God. Born of God. You've got God's DNA. Do you know that? You can't be born of something without having the DNA of something. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do? Are you going to just sit there and say, well, you know, my husband left me and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I don't know. Or are you going to get up and say, I'm going to rejoice. Might have been the best thing to ever happen to you. Maybe not, you know, but <laughs> yeah. thank God he's gone. Hallelujah. No. No, don't do that because God may put you back together. Then you're going to have to really repent. No. Well, you know, I, I work so many hours and I'm just struggling on my job and having such a hard time. You know what? You're having a hard time because you're in the wrong arena. You're in the wrong arena. You might want to go read Habakkuk. Well, change your tune. Get back over there in a place of faith. You don't like your job? Believe God for another one. It just may be that God has you there for a purpose and you, your eyes have been so close to it you can't even see it. But somewhere you've got to change your focus. Somewhere you've got to turn off Fox and CNN and ABC and NBC and CBS. You've got to turn all that mess off. Quit going on and reading, you know, the, the, the news feeds and Oh my God, this is happening. Oh my God, that's happening. You know, that stuff's been going on since the beginning of time. (laughs) 
You've just got to, you've got to put your focus in a different place. Because I've got to tell you something. Listen to me today. God wants to do something in your life greater than you could ever imagine. He, he is not through with you. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what kind of circumstances you're in. I don't care, you know, what, and I don't mean this, please don't misunderstand me. I do have compassion for you about where you are, but I don't have compassion for you not willing to do something about it. Because God wants to work in your life. He wants to make you strong right where you are. He may, you may not ever regain something that you had in the past, but that doesn't mean anything. God can give you a new future. He can give you a new plan. He can give you new desires. He can put you where He wants you, but He can't do it without you. That's the thing about that people don't get it. It's not about God. I get so tired of hearing people say, well, God's in control. If that's the case, He's not doing a very good job. Because God's not willing that any should perish. Now, that doesn't mean that God's not in control of destiny. But God is not in control of your will. Because if He was, we'd all be saved. But you can't get saved by His will. You can only get saved by your own. You know why? Because you're born of God. Because you're born of God. Huh? What do you mean? You're like God. Creatures are not like God. There's nothing on the face of this earth like God but you. And you know what makes you you? That you have a will. You have a will. You can rise up today and say tomorrow is going to be different than today. I don't care what the devil says. I don't care what anybody says. God is working. God is going to do something in my life. I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to put up there on that vision board what God says. And this is what God says about me. And this is how I'm going to live. And this is how I'm going to live my life. And you would be amazed at how things change in your life. Maybe not tomorrow. Maybe not next week. But listen to what uh, listen to what it says. Wait for it. Yeah. Woo! Wait for it. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. And it's coming in your life. Yes. So all you've got to do is make up your mind. You're going to hook up with that. Yes. This is where I'm going. This is my life. This is my future. Well, how do I get there? One step at a time. You're, you're in the best place you could be. You're in church. You're in church. You're in a place to hear the word of the Lord. You're in a place where God can give you direction. You're in a place where you worship. Do you know how many churches today, they don't even worship God anymore? They're too busy. It's too quick. Well, we got we to gotta get out of here. Mm-mm. No, we're worship creatures. We're built to worship. So I just want to challenge you today. Okay? Quit crying out, help, murder, police. Lord, what are you going to do? Things are getting so bad. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? In fact, just get this message and 
Let me fuss at you for a month. Just re- listen to it over and over. And do it. Hey, I'm preaching to myself. Everybody has, everybody has to deal with things, challenges. And you know, the city I'm in right now, we, we've been dealing with a, uh, a murder deal. It's crazy. People are just killing each other. But you know what? We made up our mind we're going to do something about it. We've been praying every Monday night and we've been rebuking that spirit of murder. We've been standing against it. We're not going to allow it to take over our city. You can do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. People say, well, you know, your city's declining. No, it's not. We're not letting it decline. Listen, the Bible says wherever the righteous are in charge, a city will flourish. That's what we're believing. That's what we're doing. We're in charge. We may not look like it, but we are. So come on, folks. Listen, I, I, I know I may be preaching to the choir with a lot of you, but I just want to encourage you today. we got great things ahead. God is going to do some awesome things. The world's not going to get any better. You're not going to be able to read the tea leaves of the world and find anything getting any better. But we have, a, we have a book that has demonstrated its accuracy for 6,000 years. And it hadn't changed. Hadn't changed. Stand up with me. I want you to do something for me. I'm just about finished, but I want you to do something for me today before I turn it back over to Pastor Mark. I want you to listen to me. I don't want you to think about all your problems, okay? I want you to pick one thing, one thing that's challenging your life today. And I want you to make a commitment before the Lord. I'm going to lead you in this. Make a commitment before the Lord. I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to deal with it God's way. I'm going to start declaring by faith. And I'm going to see God do something. All right, you got that one thing? Okay. Now, if it's that person standing beside you, don't talk too loud. All right, you got to do something about this man. He's driving me crazy. No. You might want to look in the mirror before you start doing it. Okay. All right, you ready? Hold, hold your right hand up. This is an act of faith. Just with me right now. Say, Father, I have heard the word this morning. You're working. And I stand boldly by faith right now. And I declare this problem dealt with. Over. I see your victory. I see your glory. I'm going to write it down. And I'm going to declare it till it comes to pass without wavering in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.